Hello everyone and welcome to Sequel Pitch, the podcast where four friends pitch sequels to movies that don't currently have one and put their love for each other on the line as they battle it out to be the winning sequel and claim superiority. I am last episode's winner and your host today, Matt Rushton. And swinging into action this week are three spandex-loving, colourful variants of the superhero protagonist of this episode, Spider-Nerd <laughs> Drew Toynbee. Ah, hello there. I like Spider that. Spider-Mad Andy Henry. <laughs> Do animals talk in this podcast? Because I don't want to freak anyone out. <laughs> uh, spider spam ross armstrong <laughs> what do you mean i'm spider spam well it's a cost of living crisis can't afford pork so i just it's like that was planned i'm really yeah, impressed i'll take that improv yeah <laughs> hello web slingers and yeah let's just hope it is webs that we're slinging comes crashing back down to reality sorry about that <laughs> well if that wasn't enough for you i do have a special treat and i'm so excited to also welcome back our returning special guest this week someone else who i heard has not averse to spandex it's our movie journalist maestro and friend of the podcast Welcoming back Jordan King, everybody. Yay! Hey! Wherever I go, the wind follows. And the wind <laughs> smells like rain. <laughs> as long as it's not curry, that's fine. <laughs> uh, Jordan, it's been a while since we had you, mate. How have you been? What have you been up to? I, I've been I, I've been busy. I've My last time I was recording Very Small Child is now sort of Russian darling and becoming a bigger child. <laughs> um, I, I'm still still writing, writing bits for Empire, started recently writing some stuff for Yahoo as well, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, and watching films as and when I can, and reading a lot of Spider-Man comics recently, actually, which is quite helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so he's the one you're impressing today, chaps, not me. stuff. <laughs> 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 It is. It's great to have you back, mate. Thanks ever so much for Thank coming on again. Thank you for having me back. And listeners, if for some weird reason your spidey senses didn't tingle with that introduction, uh, yeah, we're swinging into the 2018 animated spectacular Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So before we get into our thoughts with the movie, if you don't fancy re-watching it before for some weird reason, uh, as always, we'll treat you to a quick kind of 60-second-ish summary. Uh, yeah, I guess the time can start now. After the death of his dimension Spider-Man at the hands of Wilson Fisk, recently bitten Miles Morales battles his demons, other dimensions, and the weight of Spider-Man's responsibility to try and save the world and shut down a rift-tearing super collider. Along the way, he meets older Peter Parker and the mysterious Gwen Stacy, who he'd brushed shoulders with at school from other dimensions. With the help of Aunt May and a few very familiar yet very different faces, uh, and despite resistance from the likes of Olivia Octavius, Fisk, the Prowler and other Spidey villains, Miles and co create a new key to shut down the Collider and send the Spider-Verse squad home. Unfortunately, en route, Miles learns that the Prowler is in fact his uncle Aaron, and when he reveals his identity to his uncle mid-brawl, this leads to Fisk killing the Prowler, not before Aaron reminds his nephew to just keep going before dying. Miles's cop brother, cop father and brother to Aaron, a vocal critic of Spider-Man, sees what he believes is the Spider-Man killing uh, killing Aaron and fleeing, which leads to a vengeful spider hunt, completely unaware that that's his son. Uh, we then cut back to the other dimension spiders. Uh, they're all concerned for Miles' safety as he's not got control of his powers, so they restrain him. 
Uh, an older Peter Parker, who kind of takes on a mentor figure, decides he's going to be the one that sacrifices himself to send all his friends home to the other dimension through the collider. There's definitely enough time that he could still jump through, but never mind. We'll deal with that later. After hearing a heartfelt moment from his father through a door, Miles finds strength. He breaks through the shackles of the web, takes his leap of faith in a badass suit that Aunt May made with him. Uh, he joins the desperate fight, saving Brooklyn, the world, and his friends in the process. They all manage to get home. Miles defeats Fisk and the goons. They all get captured. His father sees Spider-Man, in fact, saving the city and brands him a hero. And then we close with Miles embracing responsibilities. We see him receive a dimensional call from Gwen Stacy popping out of her own dimension. We also see the other little Easter egg, perhaps, or is it teaser, of Megal O'Hara, Spider-Man 2019-99, ending up in the 1967 animated Spider-Man series, and the two argue. <laughs> so, there we have it. I tried to keep it 60 nice. seconds, but that, so there's always a lot to fit into these uh that was pretty good yeah. that was pretty good yeah. I, I reckon yeah. there's a multiverse out there where that was 60 seconds <laughs> sweet i'll tell you yeah. that <laughs> this is why we have you on john you're a big up as well as everything else you make people feel better <laughs> so there we have it what we'll do now listeners we'll get straight into our final thoughts and our scores but as always if you want to hear our detailed breakdown of the movie with jordan king with us this this episode then join us on one of our pitch pals become one of our pitch pals on patreon You'll get full access to the review. Um, you know where to find us, patreon.com forward slash sequel pitch. But for now, Drew, I'm going to come over to you first. Let's get your final thoughts and your score, please. It's an incredible movie. We, I'll try not to... I, I could just talk, like, gush for such a long time about how wonderful this movie is. It's pitch perfect. It looks beautiful. It's emotional. It's hysterically funny. And it is five wet spider ham handshakes out of five. <laughs> Why is that ham wet? Why is that Lovely. ham wet? Mm. I mean, you don't mm. want to know, but Andy no, will come and find out what you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a joy of a film. It's bloody marvellous. There's nothing wrong with this film. Um, well, no, I have a little few nitpicks. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's colourful. It's um, it's lovely. The story's great. The characters are great. It's nice that we'd see it's a new kind of Spider-Man and kind of a new story in that way. Um, yeah, and just, just so funny. It's got Miller and uh, Lord and Miller's, like, fingerprints all over it. Definitely one of... Um, one of their best. I'm going to give it five bagels out of five. Thank you very much. Ross, over to you. Uh, had you asked me, are you ready for another Spider-Man movie from Sony? I would have <laughs> probably said no. However, when you watch this movie, it is a breath of fresh air. New characters. It's the same story, but done in such a good way. Like, if you know what I mean, like there's still the same journey that Pete, the Peter Parker has and Miles Morales has really, but it's great. It's a great movie. It looks beautiful. Uh, the soundtrack by Daniel Pemberton is great, along with all the other um, various artists that uh, did some music for it as well. Um, yeah. So and, and yeah, the voice like the voice acting in it is great superb 
Um, and I really like the visual art style that they went for this as well. So I'm going to give it five TGI spy day, spiders out, Spideys, TGI Spideys. Fuck me, I can't even say it. <laughs> out of five. Amazing. Thank you very much. All right, Jordan, passing it on to you. I mean, I, f- I feel like it's been it's been well covered, but um, <laughs> uh, I I would just say that for me as a lifelong fan of Spider Man, this is the the closest thing that I've ever experienced on the screen to what it's like reading a Spider Man comic for the first time. It's vibrant, ambitious, bold, audacious. It pushes the animated medium to new frontiers. And you've seen in the years since it came out that the entire way that every major studio and independent studio approach making animated films now has changed forever and for the better. Um, It is completely perfect and very poignant. And it is five goobers because there's always a goober out of five from me. Nice. Amazing. I guess, yeah, what what can can I say that hasn't been said? I think... (laughs) Jordan, you nail it. Like for me, it's watching animation and really capturing the heart of the comic book genre and um, making it feel like you're just sat there watching a visual comic book and watching it come to life. I'll be honest, the first time I ever watched this, I for some reason it didn't connect with me. I wasn't. I remember being a little bit bored, but I don't know if that's because I was tired or just not really vibing it. But sitting back and watching it today, I couldn't be happy and couldn't be more glad that we did this this movie because I was like, God, what was wrong with me back then? <laughs> 2018 me needed a slap around the head because he was not thinking straight. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a magical film. Um, I can't think off the top of my head. Uh, five heartfelt, wonderful Stanley cameos out of five. I'll give it. Oh, I hey, think he's totally yeah. sweet. <laughs> wow. So uh, what does that mean that it, it has that, that, oh, that rivals what. Flash Gordon? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it it joins it joins Flash Gordon and Inception as our two five out of five as our third full five out of five. I mean, does this one technically become like five point two five out of five because there's five others in the call, so we've superseded the hundred percent quota of four votes. Have we just I mean, broken yeah, the system. We, Oh shit. We could we could say that actually, yeah, this is six point two five out of five. <laughs> if if we're taking it's whatever whatever score added up and divided by four, but as they're like that's not how averages work. It is um, now, damn it. There's a glitch right. in the matrix. There's <laughs> a glitch it in does, our super collider. It does give us a clear winner um mm. out of those. So okay, yeah. So actually into the spider-verse has six point two five out of five. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> um, it doesn't sound like we're recommending this one, then, guys. Nah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Well, with the scores in, there is now only one thing for it. God, I feel sorry for you three today. It's time to get your sequels pitched. So, this week we are going to kick off with uh, it's the same rules as always. You will have a chance to pitch your uh, pitch your pitches to us, to Jordan and I, this week. We will then ask questions. You will then have your beat-up phase, your debate phase, I guess we'll call it. Um, And ultimately, Jordan and I, I will give some feedback to Jordan. Jordan will be the one this week making that all-important decision for our third, second, and first place winner. Just to give you a couple of variations on our rules this week. (laughs) He loves the power, as you can hear. 
Uh, I'm just going to go with alphabetical order this week. Andy, you're up first. Your pitch title and blurb, please. My pitch title, because I thought I'd be a bit different. It's Mars following into Sea World. So he's going to meet Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill. And I've called it Spider-Man into the Snyderverse. Wee. Okay. No, I didn't. no, 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 no. Um, okay, I've called this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this one's called Spider Man The Web of Life and Destiny. Ooh. Uh, my little blurb is when Sp- I'm, like, I'm going to call spider people, anyone who's like a spider man, because obviously there's spider hams and spider women out there. I'm going to call everyone uh, under the term spiders or spider, because um, that'd be easier. Uh, so when spiders in every universe start dying for unknown reasons, the spider gang from the first film have to come together to take down a threat that plans to destroy all the spiders. Okay, thank you very much. Take it away. Right, so we start on a big fight where we see uh, Spider-Man 2099 on the edge of the fight. He's watching multiple versions of Spider-Man or woman and, you know, all of them die. Uh, he looks around and as a blast of fire is about to be shot at him, he uses the time device on his wrist to escape. Back, his, back at his headquarters, he uses a supercomputer to look uh, to locate more spiders and then sends them a message. And this is where we introduce the, the, the gang from the first one. They all get a message depending on their like location and, and style. Uh, Spider-Ham can get one like that blows up or something. And uh, Noir can get a, a, a letter in his mailbox with a little arrow that pops up and stuff. Um <laughs> They all get, uh, they all open the messages and then get sucked into a portal, uh, which takes them back to, uh, to Spider-Man 2099's headquarters. Uh, when they're all together, they realize that someone's missing, and then we see a computer showing an un- unread email uh, as we pick up uh, at the end of the last film where Miles is on his bed, like listening to music. Portal opens up, and Gwen says, "Hey, you got a minute?" Um, tells him to get a suit, and then uh, he jumps in and, and joins them through the portal. 2099 Spider-Man explains there's spiders dying all over the universe, but he doesn't know why. And the gang asks why he cares so much, and he reveals that they're standing in a temple called Loom World on Earth-001, the nexus of the multiverse. And he is the protector of the Grand Weaver, the guardian of the web and life of... uh, Sorry, the guardian of the web of life and destiny, uh, which is basically a way to travel through different universes and, and realities. Uh, suddenly, the Inheritors, a clan, of, a clan of monsters that travel to different universes and feed upon gods and big, powerful creatures, consuming their essence and their power. They break in and try and kidnap the Weaver. Uh, the Spider Gang fight them off, uh, but they get the Weaver and make him uh, make him help it ex- uh, make the, uh, they make the Weaver help them escape using the Web of Life, uh, and they're gone. 2099 says to the Spider Gang that he can't use the web like the Weaver, um, but he has like the time devices from the end of the first film. Um, and you can, he says, you can follow uh, trace amounts of universal energy that will lead you to the uh, to the Grand Weaver. So he gives each uh, he, he splits the teams in like say two because he's only got two devices. So um, they split off into two teams. Uh, over Act Two, they go through different universes trying to find the Inheritors. Uh, Miles has revealed that Gwen. Um, uh, Miles helped her open up in the first film and stuff, uh, and now she actually has a boyfriend in her universe. Um, and Miles says, Miles says it's fine and stuff, and they're just friends. It's, it's a, you know, it's fine. Uh, we cut to the the other group where Spider Ham is asking Gwen, like, how is it just fine? You and Miles cre- clearly like each other, but Gwen just says, you know, boy and girl can be friends and not have any romantic connection there. It doesn't need to be. 
Um, but then they do pass through a universe where Gwen and Miles have given up the superhero life and they've got family and kids and they're all happy. So it kind of makes them maybe think a little bit. Uh, over a few universes, the spiders meet different versions of characters they know, um, and they find two inheritors uh, who have just killed a super being and consumed their energy, so they're all jacked up. They have an awesome fight, uh, and although the inheritors, the spider gang just managed to, uh, manages to defeat them. They use their devices. They use their devices to find clues leading to uh, more inheritors who are more powerful because they've been consuming gods while they've been away. Uh, each world is different, and no matter where they go, there's always a story or some through line, uh, some backstory, some like nighttime story or something that they hear, uh, which is basically an old tale of a goddess from Earth 001 tasked her two daughters, um, one called Saratha and one called Neith, with creating ways of uh, keeping the multiverse in order. Uh, Saratha designed a cruel and uh, cruel construct and called it the Great Hive. And Neith produced an intricate network and called it the Great Web. The goddess praised Neith and her Great Web, uh, which drove Sahatha to be consumed by hatred and jealousy, and then hatred for all spiders. Um, the spider gang finally find the inheritors, bring them back. Uh, uh, no, the spider gang finally find the inheritors hiding the Weaver and fight. They web them up and then they bring him back to Spider Man twenty ninety nine. 2099 starts to laugh and acts like he just suddenly knows he's inheritors, like intimately, starts like maybe calling them by names or something. The spider, ga spider gang looks around, a bit confused, what's going on here? And then 2099 slaughters each of the inheritors right in front of the other Spider-Mans and reveals he isn't actually Spider-Man from 2099. His name is Fran, and he was actually an inheritor that, got, um, that they exiled. Um, basically, the inheritors were consuming god powers when one day they heard a prophecy that they would be taken down by a spider. Uh, not believing the prophecy, they attacked the very first Spider-Man and nearly lo and lost the fight so badly they only just managed to flee with their lives. Uh, they then became so afraid of spiders they were decided to, to attack all other gods except for sky uh, spiders. But Cran wanted revenge and wanted them to only attack spiders. Uh, so that's when the family exiled him and said, you, "Go and do it yourself if you want. We're not doing it." Cran uh, uh, revowed uh, vowed revenge uh, not only on his family but spiders everywhere. This is where uh, Sahathra appeared before him and told him if he became her avatar, they could force the Weavers to take them through the universes and kill his family in every universe. Uh, and then through Kran, Sahara could kill, uh, could use the web to terminate every spider. Um, when they, when they, and then a little bit of a, like a, a flashback, when they entered into the temple to kidnap the Weaver, that's when they saw the inheritors uh, kidnap him first. Uh, Cran knows he can't destroy all the inheritors when they're at their peak power, so that's why he called the Spider Gang to do his dirty work, thinking they would kill each other, and then he could just easily go in, grab the Weaver, and do his and do his job. But no, they're all alive. So a massive fight breaks out. Uh, Cran morphs into this giant, uh, monstrous, monstrous wasp-themed dark goddess uh, that the Spider Gang have to fight uh, one by one. Cran knocks out the spiders until it's only Miles left. Uh, he's filled with rage and power. Um, and he tries to fight Krang, but he nearly dies when suddenly Neith appear uh, appears before Miles, wanting him to be her avatar. Miles accepts, and the power of Neith turns Miles into a spider totem uh, called the Other, which is basically a giant hu humanoid spider monster. Uh, so we have a giant spider versus a giant wasp. Um, and then Miles uses a power called the Enigma Force, which it could be a little bit of an explanation, but it's basically a, a really powerful light graced by the God of Light. Um, and Cran nearly dies, but then flees into a portal, grabbing Gwen on the way down, and the portal closes. 
Uh, and then we end with Miles being crowned a spider totem, which is like a powerful protector of the web, web of life and destiny. Uh, the Weaver says, Legends uh, has it, there's two more spider totems out there somewhere in the multiverse. Their job is to seek them out so they can help come back and uh, protect the multiverse. Miles says he's honored, but he has to save his friend first. The Weaver nods and says he can send them, he can send Miles and the gang to her, opens up a portal, and they all swing through. And then, end credits, is we see a futuristic lab with robots working on what we consider to be patients. Uh, strapped to one bed is an unconscious crayon. Uh, back in like human uh, there's a robot doctor who leaves and enters uh, an office and we see like a robot in a suit the robot in a suit asks if they found the test subject and the doctor robot replies no but he's uh, but I think he may find us and then a few more robot doctors bring Gwen on a who's unconscious on a floating bed um, I want to do a, a maniacal robot laugh but they won't um, the office door closes <clears throat> and then we see the office belongs to the assessor which doesn't mean anything to anyone, but it's a it's a big, powerful Miles uh, villain. So. Okay. So Jordan, Jordan will I probably can see that. As soon as I, I said the yes, uh, yeah, everyone's like blank face. I was like, it, it, it's a big, it's a big yeah. deal. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll let you fill in some <laughs> gaps for people. I'm sure people have questions about uh, that anyway. My, thank you very much. This is a very detailed pitch. My question for you on this one is, where does the comic book inspiration end and the Andy Henry pitch begin um, so like how much of it is based on comic storylines it's and basically how much all, of it is it's all I would say like 80% of it is comic um, okay. Cran isn't uh, what he is in the comics I just did that for my uh, my story uh, but no the gods that's all true um Assessor, giant wasp themed dark goddess is true. Yeah, maybe like 95%. Okay. It's like, it's maybe, maybe it's a well. few different stories that I kind of either slotted in different places or tweaked slightly just to make things like, uh, work for me. Oh, as I said in the WhatsApp chat, Civil War is absolutely not the comic book Civil War. So don't worry about <laughs> uh, taking inspiration from storylines and running with a direct storyline. Cool. Jordan, have you got any questions for Andy? Um, yeah, I, I really like the pitch and i i think part of that is that you've i feel like if if you got nominated for an oscar for this i mean it would have to be adapted screenplay because you're using pre-existing characters but it would be like a super adapted screenplay because like you're kind of lattising <laughs> together a lot of comic book strands um yeah. what what was the inspiration behind using the other which is obviously like a massive part of spider-man comic book history and how do you think the introduction of the other in your sequel responds to the first film like how do you feel like it gives a chance to expand what the first film was doing um i wanted to use it just because i was thinking kind of just bigger and better for uh for the sequel then when i was doing a bit of research and stuff and i there was a massive uh spider and then there was a massive wasp monster and stuff. So that seemed like an easily, uh, easily Axe 3 fight to, to put together. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I just wanted to kind of show that like, the first film was kind of based a little bit in normalcy and a little bit of like multiverses and stuff. And then this one is just ridiculous. He gets me like a, a, a godly protector at the end. Um, and then the next one, yeah, will be uh, like very Flash Gordon-y going through different universes and things like that. That's cool. Ooh. 
Amazing. Thank you very much. Uh, anything else there, John, or should we move on to Drew? Um, I think so, actually. I, I, I really liked, I really liked the pitch, and <laughs> it's, it's a lot of, hey. it's a lot of my favourite parts of, of the other storyline, <laughs> but put together in a way that I was there, just sort of thinking, ah, oh, the wheels aren't falling off of this. They should be falling off by now, but they can't. Do. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Not, not, not I saying that because pitch, it was oh you. That was God. <laughs> not <laughs> saying that it, not saying because it was you pitching it. The wheels should be falling uh, off. Yeah. I mean, because. <laughs> Right. The they're, they're normally coming is... off by the end of the titles so yeah. <laughs> well I'll you have me you have me in the first half with uh into the Snyderverse <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was I was interested to see where that one went cool thank you very much Andy you can take a breather for now uh Drew we're coming over to you sir okay uh mine is Spider-Man Clash of the Spider-Verse Ooh. I'm not too fond of it but again best I could come up with at that point so Miles is adjusting to life as Spider-Man whilst he continues to develop feelings for Gwen who has worked out how they can talk across dimensions as he juggles school superheroing and growing feelings for his girlfriend? Question mark. Uh, he impulsively tries to engineer a way to see her and causes a cataclysm that may end multiple worlds. Ooh, okay. Bring it on. So we start off with the stylish recap again. Miles is Spider-Man. He's he's enjoying being Spider-Man, but juggling it. It's it's the standard, like you make a joke of the fact that he's having the problem that all Spider-Men who are still in school have, which is he's trying to be a teenager and a superhero. He's got Ganky. He goes to see May Parker occasionally, and she gives him bits of stuff from Peter's old arsenal. Um, and we see the portal that opened at the end of the first movie is it's just like a video screen. You can't go through it, but Gwen managed to work out how so that they could talk. She just wanted to be able to talk to him. Um, and so he's building this relationship. You have a joke that he has a girlfriend, but it's long distance, and that he, and he keeps telling people that she lives in Canada, um, which I thought would be <laughs> quite funny as an Avenue Q fan. Um, the, at the beginning of Act 1, we also find out Craven is in town and wants the blood of this new spider. Um, and also Jefferson has been put onto the anti-Spider-Man task force by the new shadowy mayor of New York who doesn't want a Spider-Man to be around for some reason or another. So even though he's not, he's conflicted by it, he's he is driven by following his orders and upholding the law. And so he's doing that. So... Craven hunting him is wearing him down. The police trying to get him is wearing him down. He, he's desperate to see Gwen for real. Like, their feelings are becoming really quite powerful. And so he's talking to Gwen and the, and kind of works out that he might be able to work out a way for, the, for them to travel. So he goes back to Kingpin's Collapse Collider and steals some parts from it. He heads home. Craven tracks him there. And as Miles is building the thing, Craven attacks. Everything goes horribly wrong. And it causes a convergence. Mm. Um, Miles, Jeff, and Rio all get sucked into the space between multiverses and are intercepted quite quickly by Miguel O'Hara. We Miguel tells Miles that basically he's through Miles's actions, he has ensured that all of the universes that contain a Spider-Man are going to be destroyed. Um, because they're all being sucked together by this convergence, like trying to draw on the ideas from uh, No Way Home. 
and and like all of these Spider-Men being pulled together and that link and trying to pull on that a little bit. The only way that it can be stopped is that Miles's Earth has to be destroyed and that will save all of the rest of them. Uh, and he tells Miles, Jeff and Rio that they can stay here with him and they'll survive or they can return to their Earth before he directs energy from a like a fire universe or something much more dramatic and they can go home and die with the rest of their people. Miles panics and fights Miguel, manages to steal the device that he uses to open portals between dimensions. Um, Jeff gets badly slashed by Miguel's like claws, um, but they manage to trap him in the, in the space between worlds and jump to another world uh, with Miles wanting to fix his mistake. Miles is panicking about his dad's injury and forgets to do his kind of deep, cool Spider-Man voice and his parents instantly recognise him. Um, and it's like, it's a big deal. Like they can, they can barely, they can't even fathom how badly their son's messed up. And he's being a teenager and being like, come on, this isn't a big deal. It was a mistake. It wasn't even my fault. It was Craven. If Craven hadn't come, nothing would have gone wrong. And they're like, yep, this isn't like sneaking out for a house party or, or sticking stickers on signs. This is the end of, of multiple worlds potentially. And I w I would want that tension to carry on throughout and particularly there was something when I was reading about the creation of the character, like Jeff pulls on a thing that he's like out of anger. He says he's worried. He was always worried that Miles would turn out like his uncle. And Miles takes that on board and is like, oh, could he deep down be bad? Does he get to choose? But he pushes back and he's like, well, you work for the police and like you're black and you're a policeman. Just like getting really heated. And there's there's Rio in between both of them angry with both of them for how they're treating each other and just and it's all a big mess but obviously they decide they need to stop this and they'll need help so first stop they use the device they go and find gwen and you get the awkward comedy of meeting the parents we get peter b penny the rest of the gang they all know that they will need one of the most brilliant minds that's ever existed to try and figure out this problem and the smartest person that any of them know in all of their versions of their multiverses is their version of doc ock so we have a big montage journey where they're jumping across different universes trying to find a Doc Ock who will work with spider people. And you just like the first one, it's like three or four minutes of them getting there, exploring, finding and then being attacked. And then it just gets shorter and shorter in duration as they go to different worlds. And it eventually just becomes a second of them appearing and a tentacle going to attack them. And it cuts to the next one. The same thing's happening until they arrive. All of these animated characters in a realistic looking 2002 New York and find Alfred Molina <laughs> after he survived being sent back after No Way Home after he was reformed by uh, by Tom <laughs> Holland's Spider-Man. We get a joke about how he's got experience with multiple Spider-Men, although this is significantly stranger than he had previously anticipated. He says, of course, he'll try and help. Uh, they do some science-y stuff and, lots, and comedy and science and they realise they've got to return to the space between and find a way to separate Miles' Earth, um, like separate the energy of Miles' Earth from the multiverse and stop drawing them all together. So they head back to the space between and they square up against Miguel. They arrive and they find that he's been scouring the sort of floating detritus in there to build a new device that he can use to finish his mission. Doc Ock has to calibrate a load of stuff and Miles and everyone else, they need to stop Miguel from blasting Miles' Earth to pieces. It all starts, there's fight, there's, there's tension, there's time running out 
and then more Spider-Men start to arrive who have sensed the impending disaster with their Spidey sense and managed to work out multiversal travel as it's been unfolding from the signature that the gang left while they jumped through loads of different universes looking for a Doc Ock. It ends up there's a huge battle, like new Spider-Men arrive, they're like, what's going on? And then whoever's closest to them shouts the message. So it's they, it's kind of a random split of, oh, we've got to stop the spiky Spider-Man from blowing up an Earth. Or it's a, we've got to stop the Spider-Man all in black from not letting us destroy his Earth or we'll all die. And it all just gets really confused, big battle, and it ends up Miles facing off against Miguel. Um, he manages to stop him fighting Miles blocks the device and he he starts to get through to him and Doc Ock's like, right, time's running out. I can do this. I know how to, this will work, but this isn't, it's not just going to stop energy flowing. It is going to completely sever Miles's universe from all other universes in the multiverse. His parents are like, okay, great, let's go. Miles freaks out. He's only just got to Gwen. We've had, we've seen their relationship sort of building and, and and everything and becoming very real through the course of the film Gwen's parents sort of talk to him it they talk him into letting it happen his parents go through um but then he's like no I'm staying with you Gwen I'm staying and she has a big speech of you know he's got to go his world needs Spider-Man his parents need Miles across the infinite multiverse they found each other once maybe they can do it again but Miles doesn't go through with it and he tries to destroy the machine to get to to get to Gwen and Miguel stabs him with his claws and pushes him through as Doc Ock severs it. And his parents find him, he collapses, he's bleeding, it's it's looking bad. His parents try to rush him to the hospital, but his mum has to save him like on the street. Um but he recovers, he takes some time, gets over Gwen with the help of his parents and gets on with being Spider-Man. It's very bittersweet, but he grows up even more and it makes him better at the end. Oh, amazing. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've decided I'm going to run with a similar question for all of you. Uh, are you pulling inspiration from comic book narratives for this? Is this a Drew Tomey whip up? The it's it is it's pretty much all me. Um, I like in my I couldn't find I couldn't find any decent Wikipedia breakdowns of specific comic storylines that. I felt like I could make it work thematically. Like they they all get for from the research I did, the top level descriptions of Miles's overarching large narratives are all like properly bananas and mm-hmm. in a good way, but it didn't feel I I'm very picky about this stuff. And I was like, oh, none of, I didn't see the, the one that Andy's taken inspiration from. I didn't even find that one. So God knows where I was looking. Um, but yeah, it's it, the stuff that I took. The only real thing that I took was the fact that Miles and Gwen do become a couple in some universe because I liked that. I, I've, I've, I've done the thing before of being like oh no they they don't have to get together because they're just because they're male and female leads of a movie and they shouldn't have to mm-hmm. but also they had really good chemistry and actually i i wanted to try and do a multiverse story that was also ended up being about an experience that a 16 17 year old kid has to go through of like having to effectively break up with someone that they are properly in love with and have a genuine connection with 
and it, it's it's basically an a multiverse story entirely to facilitate miles having a long distance relationship and realizing it is as incredible as he thought but realizing that he, they can't be together that's, uh, that's it. How sixteen-year-old me wishes I had a multiverse to get out of these. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> these painful indeed. moments. Uh, Jordan, anything for you for Drew there? Yeah, I, I really, I really liked the the pitch, and almost for entirely opposite reasons to why I loved. And these, like, I, I loved the the like comic book intertextuality of of the first pitch, and then I loved the the lack of comic book footholds in the second um the one thing that i did notice and i don't know whether it's like a sort of recency bias or just because it's the most recent big spider-man thing that's in my head there are some points of convergence if you will <laughs> with events of spider-man no way home which you do acknowledge within this the like pitch itself especially when alfred molina's dr octopus comes into things but you do have the the sort of spider-man his love is about to tear the world apart he tries to put things right but he actually makes things go drastically wrong and then other spider people get involved and then at the end of it all it ends on a really bittersweet note where he's grown and learned a lesson and he has to be apart from the person he loves but dot 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 so there is like a basic thematic framework that that has some beats that are similar so what i guess i'm wondering is like for you what are the things that your story tunes into specifically that you think make it different enough from no way home that people wouldn't come out of it going oh wow that was a really cool animated version of no way home yeah i'll be i'll be entirely honest and again this is why you get paid to do this i didn't make any of those connections <laughs> I, I was just like okay it miles has to be the one who causes this problem because it's much more it's more interesting narratively if he's the one who causes the problem um and they shouldn't be able to stay together at the end because i just finished watching Shit's creek again and the fact that alexis and david and not david alexis and um oh ted don't stay together at the end is is really incredible um, so given that I'm you having just shit creek, <laughs> although that's totally on me, Lucy and I have been halfway through the final series oh, for about no. a year and a half. Oh, I'm so I am so sorry. <laughs> that's right, we're, we're I'm so sorry. We know who's got place. So sorry. Oh my god, oh, I feel like yeah. the statute of limitations on that went about five years yeah. ago. So well, yeah, but even Wait. so, I'm very sorry. We about kind of that. the podcast for help. I don't know. Yeah, but... uh, yeah. At least we won't ruin <laughs> no, it. No, this is this is staying in. This is the... <laughs> Drew's going to be hated. Or, or Monkey yeah. Boulevard. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a Just minus win. one against him already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To immediately to, to immediately take the attention back away from that, that's something that you you kind of <laughs> something that you touched on there that is interesting with with your pitch ending up being similar to No Way Home is that I think it is just touching on a Spider-Man writer's not problem, but like a Spider-Man writer's toolkit where you can't write Spider-Man without it being ultimately boy wants girl, bad things happen when he tries to be with her, <laughs> boy can't be with girl. Yeah. So maybe that's less of a you repeating No Way Home problem and more of a 
mm. you just can't do Spider-Man without him getting his heart broken properly. Well, I mean, it, it's very kind of you to say that, but yeah, I have also had him create a multiversal problem that will end worlds mm-hmm. unless he has unless he ends up sacrificing something incredibly important to him. So Even if, it, if only he had a wizard that he could have asked for some help. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as far as differentiating it, then God, it. Uh, I mean. It it would be about the it would be, I would want as much comedy in this one as in the first. I would want it to be bonkers, uh, in in that kind of absurd slapsticky way. Um, but yeah, I can't really defend myself any further. I I've <laughs> I've, I've I have re- I've done an animated version of of No Way Home. I hang my head in shame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Hang your head in shame for spoiling shit's creep. Don't hang your head in shame for your pitch. <laughs> fly swiftly over there to our third pitch. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't ruin Lost or something, please, Ross. While you're not. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> dies. On a list of every show that I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. um, Ross, Listen, any of you, any of you guys, say anything? I'm going to spoil Ted Lasso for you. Oh no! no. I'm on, I, sorry, I'm on the latest episode, so don't worry about it. No, no you're, you're not on my latest episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> um, mine's called Miles Morales: Colon the Spider Man. Cool. Miles Miles learns of the inheritors and the destruction of other universes and needs to stop them. For reasons. You've got to stop peeking over my shoulder when I write mine, Ross. <laughs> cool. Jordan's going to be waiting for this one, I think, very intently. Um, yeah. Take it away, Ross. Uh, we opened the move. Uh, by the way, I wrote this pitch miles before Andy did, so screw you, Andy. Um, <laughs> we opened the movie with the epileptic-inducing intro we saw from the first one, and we hear Gwen's <laughs> voice saying, hey, pay attention. He sees her talking through a portal and she lands next to him on his bed. Uh, they talk about what they've been doing since uh, she last saw him. They do that, let me catch you up thing. And Miles tells Gwen he's faced the Green Goblin, Rhino as well, both who are now behind bars. This can be extended uh, to a full like intro fight scene. Um, Miles asks her how she is here, and then she does her catch-up thing as well. And she says that she wants him to meet someone. She grabs his hand and pulls him through the portal. You then see them travel through different worlds uh, really fast, and keen Easter egg hunters will have a field day in that bit. Uh, Until they land on top of a building. He's like, where are we? She says, my world. Uh, She then reveals Spider-Man 2099, voiced by Oscar Isaacs. He then tells Miles that he's been watching him, and he did a great job saving the multiverse. But he needs that he needs his help again to save it from an even bigger threat and that and that he's created these devices to travel through dimensions we then get this story explaining that his world and everything was destroyed due to these people called the inheritors a group of superpowered people looking at bringing an end to all of the spider-verse Miles freaks out and says he's late for school, so Spider-Man 299 gives him, uh, gives him a device and then sends him back. We then get some classic high school hijinks at uh, school. Um, although Miles struggles to keep awake because of how busy he's become as Spider-Man. 
Uh, he goes home and has a heart-to-heart with his mum and dad. His dad sits in his room and says he's proud of what he's become. And Miles open, uh, opens up to him uh, and he kind of alludes that he needs to make a really important decision about uh, this thing that Spider-Man 2099 said. Um, and he doesn't know if he should just stay out of it. Uh, his dad says, you've got to do what's right. That's your responsibility. Always do what you feel is right. He then uses the device to travel back uh, to um, uh, overweight Peter Parker. Um, you, and you can have some hilarious scene of him scaring him as he enters the portal while he's like sleeping or something. Anyway, while they're having a chat and catch up, suddenly Peter um, and Miles have a joint fight with some of Peter's world's baddies. Um, they win. Miles says he's going to help. He's going to help. Uh, so he grabs hold of Peter and travels to Gwen and Spider-Man 2099 then takes them to his world. It's a scene of devastation and destruction. Miles now knows that this is the right thing to do. So they use the device to travel to a sort of highway for all the different worlds known as the Web of Worlds. Uh, they see lots of different Spider-Men, uh, insert some fun cameos from across the Marvel, including Tobey Maguire as a real person. Uh, then all of a sudden there's a huge explosion and the uh, inheritors, uh, inheritors appear. They fuck shit up and kill Tobey Maguire. Yeah, fucking dead. <laughs> uh, everyone is running away back to their worlds and Gwen, Peter and 2099 uh, barely make out alive. The, then there's a scene of the inheritors killing off Spider-Man and draining their powers from becoming more powerful. Uh, they see Spider-Man 2099 escape and become enraged. Basically, 2099 killed one of the team of, uh, and like they have an event, they have a vendetta against um, him. The next portion of the movie is the gang going through different universes, but constantly being chased by the inheritors, who leave destruction in their wake. They get to Spider-Man Noir and the other dweebs as well. Um, uh, <laughs> as as they fight the inheritors through these different universes. They learn that their ultimate goal is to access the source of all reality, known as the web of life and destiny. Oh, if the, herit in the, if the inheritors succeed, they will be able to reshape the multiverse in their image, destroying all of the spider people in the process. They stop at Mars's world and decide to take a stand. Um, well, sorry, the gang, all of uh, 2099, Spider-Man Noir and all the others, they stop at Miles' world and they decide to take a stand uh, along with maybe some other spider people as well, as well that they've picked up along the way. Miles, Miles and his... Oh my God, I can't speak. Miles <laughs> and his team face off against the Inheritors and they help all of the spider people from across the multiverse uh, with the help of all spider people from across the multiverse they're able to stop the inheritors and save the web of life and destiny in the aftermath the spider people return to their respective universes but not before bidding each other a heartfelt farewell miles reflects on his journey and the importance of teamwork and friendship vowing to continue to protect his city and the multi multiverse from harm the movie ends with a post-credit scene featuring Fisk breaking out of prison with all other villains vowing to kill Miles. The end. 
Wow, amazing. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I guess we have a very similar question to this with you. How much <clears> of this is inspired by the comics that are out there and how much of this is Russ's spin? Uh, well, I basically use the idea of the inheritors. That's like the crux of it. But in terms of like all the other stuff, it's all me, really. I just use them as the bad guys and their motivations. Um and I, yeah, I wanted to introduce Spider-Man 2099 and why, you know, he got this device and why he was looking at them at the end of the movie. Um, and yeah, uh, so I, I'd say that all that I use is the inheritors, like, and their motivation. I don't use, I don't create anything else. Okay, great. That's, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep it there for time. But John, have you got a question for us? Uh, yeah, I would ask. It's a bit of a broader question, but what do you think the lesson that Miles learns from this film is, if there is one? And if there isn't one, or if it's not the main point is that he learns something, what do you think the takeaway is from the sequel? Because obviously the first film had quite a strong sense of like moral sentiment to it. What's what's yours trying to like say? I think the cool fighting. I think um probably something that I didn't explain in the pitch, but you know, the, the fact that he's this kid that doesn't know what is right and what's the best option to do. And the fact that his dad is saying, you have to find out, you always have to do what you feel is right. Um, and you know, learning that it's not just his world, that there are other worlds and being a superhero is about helping other people not just in his world but other worlds as well and also the fact that you know him teaming up with other spider-man and friends and stuff ultimately hell you know that's his like lesson that he learned i guess you know you know having that friendship and and being able to overcome people the inheritors with the help of his friends yeah cool awesome no more questions your honor thank you very much gentlemen um carrying on this bumper episode we're gonna open it out because it wouldn't be a sequel pitch episode without a little bit of gloves off uh toing and throwing and slapping and clawing and biting and stabbing and maiming and whatever else you want to do to each other um i'm actually quite on the fence i really don't know i'm gonna go with this yet there's Two similar but very different pitches, and then one pitch very much stands on its own as well. But I'm not sure which one I actually do like the most. I genuinely, and I'm not making the ultimate decision. Jordan is too. So you're not only <laughs> arguing to convince me which is the best, but you're arguing to convince Jordan which is the best this episode too. Um, so. I'm just as com- I'm just as confused as you are at the moment. So this is <laughs> this is the make or break for me, guys. No pressure. Everything to play for. Fight, fight out, boys. I want to see blood. I want to see glory. Well, I, uh, you you can't pick you can't pick Andy's because he just copied it from fucking Wikipedia and just copied it onto his pitch and just changed a couple of names and went, yeah. Well, Eddie even said when you asked him, ninety five percent of it was that's yeah, yeah no, ninety five percent is from the comics, but it's not like just ripped from the pages. There's different things. I say like Fran is is different to what he is in the comics and stuff. 
Yeah, but you uh, said ninety-five percent of it. Yeah, because they, they, most of it is actually. It, I didn't. I didn't make any. I didn't bring anything new to it. It's all based in comic book lore yeah, already. If you went to an exam and just went, oh yeah, ninety-five percent of it is just something that I found on the internet, they'd be like, okay, well then you failed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, just, I just would like to do a, t a minor bit of housekeeping. That is exactly how you pass your exams. You just remember all of the stuff that you read on the internet. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm just saying, what are you about? Like, I basically yeah, use as I much comic book lore as I can, and you yeah, didn't. You don't, you don't just if go. I, if I if I'd have known that, I could have just made it all up. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Got the mark. I know you would have been five percent in that one. Yeah. No, anyway, I yeah. use more comic book lore than you, Ross. That's what that's what you realize is I've actually gone. No, deeper I comic use it as a so basis. I've got a better to... story. No, you don't have a better. Yeah, but you're story. trying you to please copy. fans. You, exactly. You, that's what, you, that's what, what fans want. They want you to about? change the fucking stories that they love. What? I How? use the stories. How can you say? I'm trying to please the fans when you copy the 95% of a comic that runs. Because that's what the thought. fans want to see. They want to see what they so know and they love on the you, screen. You got, oh, I'll take a little trying... bit and then I'll change fucking everything else. No, I use the, the baddies, yeah, because I don't want to just do it verbatim and go, oh, you know, well, yeah, just fucking do a comic. Because then people will just go, oh, well, this is just the comic that I just read. Yeah, but that's what we fucking want to see. You all Who's... talk about Marvel films wanting to be as like close to them as the comic and like, oh, yeah. You yeah, it's no. It's you bring something different. You didn't bring anything different. You brought the same old shit from another comic. Oh yeah, yeah. You, have you have you seen have you seen a giant wasp and a giant spider? Is that no? Is that similar? Is it? Is that yeah. something you see in every fucking movie? Is it? Oh yeah, yeah. And then you We've don't want to pick Drew. <laughs> don't pick Drews because Drews is just like like Jordan said. I mean, he argued for us. So also, I don't understand <laughs> what. So. So Miles goes to get some stuff, comes back, and then the whole world is fucked. He's realized that Cra him fighting Craven, that's the bit I didn't get in yours. Yeah, but Craven, Craven, kind Craven, of Craven attacks out. him as he's building the portal generator, and it makes yeah. it malfunction, and it overpowers or something, and it causes a convergence. But why the fuck would Miles do that after what he saw in the first one and all the shit that it because, caused from the because, first one? Because as I did say in the pitch, he's been worn down by being hunted by Craven and the police, and Gwen is the best thing in his life, and he's desperate to to mm. actually physically be with her in person. He, he can. He can just talk to her on Skype in your That's, Skype portal. That so is not, it's not the like same. He, yes, but he still Ross, can see Ross, her. Ross, during the pandemic, when everything <laughs> happened over Zoom, was that a suitable substitute for physical human contact no, with your loved I'm, ones? No, but what I'm saying is, why would he then risk... Why would he do the thing that... Because if Craven hadn't, hadn't attacked him... Yeah. Huh? How old is he? 16, yeah, 17? Well, yeah, exactly. Ross is saying, like, why would he do it? Because he's a kid in love. That's why he's doing it. Yeah, he is a foolish yeah. child. To be fair, if it you play matter. meatloaf over, if you play meatloaf over that, a bit of I would do it. <laughs> there is it no way that he off. You're you're underplaying the 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 seriousness and the message that was at the end of the first movie by then going, oh, actually, he's going to build a thing, and just because Craven threw a fucking dagger at the fucking thing, it caused it. I just think it underplays. Look, look, the filmmaker, the previous for if. If Gwen hadn't appeared in a portal at the end of the previous one, then I wouldn't have had any multiversal stuff in it. But she does, and so we have to. Like, 
it, mm. it, it, why, like, that's like you saying you're Miguel pulling them through is just as reckless. The, the spider people have are clever enough and have their own scientific genius, and he works out a way with, with input from another universe from Gwen of how to make it stable and safe, apart from if someone kicks the machine in a big superhero fight. <laughs> I'm just saying it underplays what I think happens in the first movie. But, I kind know. of agree, but again, they they <laughs> undercut it. They undercut it themselves. The yes, fact I that know. Yeah, shows yeah. up. Like yeah. you've got. I I yes, I do kind of agree, but that's what that's what we had to work with. Um, I for 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 my perspective, the the strongest argument I can make in favor of myself. I'm not going to argue again. I think these guys have made a a good case for why you shouldn't vote for theirs when they did their pitches <laughs> no in the arguments <laughs> i like it um <laughs> i mine does at least have some familial conflict and more it feels like mine has more personal stakes for the characters and more of a more of a journey for the characters as human beings than oh my god Giant baddies are going to end the world. We must run from them and stop them. That's 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 the sum total of my argument. It's like they're both they both work. They do both work. I, Andy's felt a little bit law heavy, but maybe Ross's only didn't feel quite so law heavy because I'd already absorbed all the law from Andy's pitch beforehand. So who knows? <laughs> um, that's that's my that that's me done. I I'm not going to get too. Two all in on it. I, I thought we all had a hard job this that week. Was, so yeah, well yeah. done, us. I've well done. never been more relieved uh, to be sat in this chair. Let's put it that way. Any, any last comments from the other two? Yeah, I want to say anything. Yeah. So mine. Uh, no, so but like, yeah, unfortunately, Drew's is just a little bit too much like No Way Home, I think, for it to come out of a, the cinema and be satisfied that it's a whole new movie. You had Ross, to give them that argument, Jordan. They would never uh, no, have thought I, of that I, in a before, million years if you hadn't said that. Said that no, before you before he said that, I wrote Doctor Strange as uh, Miguel has a very Doctor Strange feeling because oh, okay. when he was like, and then yeah, like Spider Man taking the advice at the start and stuff. All right, but, um, exactly. <laughs> so so yeah, mine Ross is very similar. I feel yes, leaning into the lore is what is good about this. Is what the like, comic book fans want. Uh, my act two is filled with fights and the the team splitting up into like two groups. So you got some nice chemistry, finding clues, uh, which leads to how uh, leads them to know what who the uh, the inheritors are and and all that lot. And the whole goddess story. Ross's they seem to just be running away in act two a lot, um, but yet somehow learn the exposition of this, the the uh, the inheritors. Um, and he's got a filler fight as well. A filler fight. He just he just. Fill, he, at one point, he just meets up with Spider-Man and just beats a couple of Spider-Man enemies. No, that's his intro to meeting Peter Parker back again. Just, I'm just, 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 it's, he it's he not like he a just, massive... he's just, Yeah, he just said he fights a couple of enemies. Oh, so are enemies. Which one's the little enemies then? Rhino? Mysterio? Right. He just fights somebody <laughs> in his universe. He's like, oh, I'm in the middle. Either he's like, he bumps in to his universe and he's like <laughs> in the middle of a fight. And he's like, "Oh, what are you doing here, kid?" And then he's like, "Oh, I need to. I'm taking out this guy." And then he's trying to help, but it actually doesn't work. And he's kind of like, "Oh, like buddy Miles." Yeah. But then they actually fight. Now, that's what the fucking oh. good 
part of the movie is, is the fight scenes, obviously. I've got fights. I've got fun characters, solving clues. That's always fun to see. The chemistry between. I've got a giant wasp and a giant spider as my big Act 3 fight. That would yeah, be fucking you... great to see. With the animation That's style the, uh, that you wild. bring to that, that would be fucking great. Um, and then, yeah, just cool villains. Uh, like I feel a bit, a bit of a twist. So I say, like, 2099's big twist, um, I think, that you don't see coming. And it's just a nice, fun film that people can go see. Okay. Uh, with that, I'm going to call it, uh, call it an end there. Thank you very much, gentlemen. A very passion uh, debate phase. Three very, very good pitches. And like I say, I've never been more relieved to be sat as the host <laughs> of an episode yeah. because I, I would not have come close to making a pitch like that. Um, I do have to say uh, my, my, my favourite line from Ross's pitch is uh, it says, a group of superpower people are looking to bring the end of the Spider-Verse. Miles freaks out. He's late for school. <laughs> like, yeah. He's in this other dimension. Then he's like, the Spider-Verse could like, could be destroyed. He's like, oh no, it's five past nine. <laughs> like, yeah. test. He's a kid. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, Marty McFly, just like skateboarding. I'm not going to pull up his antics. <laughs> no, um, no, no, right, no, no. This is funny gonna like, happen. in my head. <laughs> uh, I am going to give little pluses and minuses for my opinion. Uh, and then John is going to give his summary and... What if I, what I'll do is I'll give my pluses and minuses while Jordan makes his decision on how we are distributing the points. I will then ask him for his third place with his, with the summaries to why, second place and winners to why. And then we will move towards the end of this episode, this wonderful, wonderful episode. So here's it. I'm gonna go just in the order that we uh that we pitch. So Andy, yours I feel is like the the scope and the scale of it is pretty huge. Um I think that's that can be a good thing. It could also maybe detract in the way that you are introducing a hell of a lot of new people and a lot of new characters to the point where I was like kind of um, wondering, are we going to see any of the old guys? And I know they do come in, but then you've got the assessor and whatnot as well. And it's like, it's great, but we are moving at least with, you know, the first Mars Mars film, there's a lot of recognizable characters. This is one, like we're amping up a bit. I personally can see that as a plus in some ways, appealing to the nerds. And I can see it as a detractor in the sense that the you know the the mainstream audience may feel a bit disconnected because they won't necessarily know who they're rooting for and who they're watching. Um, but love that you're pulling on law. Um, whether or not it's too much law, I'm not the one to say because I don't know the comics. So I'm going to leave that to our master judge today. But yeah, thank you. Very good pitch. Very detailed pitch. Drew, jumping over to yours. Um, I feel like yours had the most personal journey in the sense that, you know, you are using mum and dad and love and whatnot. Um, it has been seen before in No Way Home in some aspects, and it kind of felt a little bit let, um, in the sense that Andy's maybe is too big and crazy and out there. Whilst you have that kind of journeying through uh, the multiverse and whatnot, perhaps it just lacked a little bit of the kind of out there vibe of an animated film for me but again really enjoyed the personal journey for it uh ross coming to you again having the difficulty of pitching after someone who has run with a similar pitch but i think yours is very different in the sense i see where you took the inspiration of the uh inheritors inhibitors inheritors inheritors yes. called, thank you um see where you took that but and see how you took that on its own journey Going back through the franchises, I personally don't mind the little fight scene with a couple of villains because I think it's funny that, you know, 
one Spider-Man may see it as a big villain, two Spider-Man, and they just beat the crap out of them really easily while they're having a little bit of banter. I'm ha- absolutely fine with that. I don't have any problems with that. Again, with your little things like ending it on the Miles home planet makes sense in some ways, but the the kind of jeopardy for the characters that aren't Miles doesn't necessarily feel as climatic um, as some of the others, but again, I can see where we've kind of gone with it. It's it's really hard to pick negatives in the sense that I actually really enjoy all the pictures as well, so I'm also glad I'm not deciding who's third, second, or third. <laughs> um, this has been the easiest episode as a host I've had, so happy days <laughs> for me. Um, but yeah, they are my kind of thoughts on it, and we are going to pass, because Jordan is a regular guest of ours, and because he is a friend of the podcast, we're kind of giving some special liberties with the point scoring with this one where usually as a guest judge we wouldn't have them score points it'd be a standalone episode with this we are allowing it to incorporate into our uh competition this this time out so jordan are you ready have you got your decision for third second and first place yes tentatively okay <laughs> uh, we're gonna I lock think... it in now <laughs> um congratulations to all of you as I say again it, it goes it's understated that they were all very good pitches but we do need a third place um pitch this week so Jordan who is your third place and why okay so before I launch into my my there's no there's no like third place is last place this is very much my top three <laughs> that just happens to only <laughs> be three all all three of them as I'll as I'll get onto uh films that various versions of me uh aptly would would enjoy watching um so my third place is Mets, and that is because <laughs> i could just immediately uh, see him about? go for a big he didn't from the bring ball. a pitch so uh, uh it's gonna be it <laughs> Uh, not Matt. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> it is late. It's uh, half confused. past ten when we're recording we, this. It's a long, yeah, been a long been, episode. We have gone. We haven't gone this long for a long. I think this might be uh, the longest normal episode we've ever done. So Ooh. I'm just, I'm just going to restart that, uh, and we'll pretend that that didn't happen. I'm very tired. I, I was, I was up very early this morning. In, in third place, with none of the dramatic tension anymore. <laughs> is is ross um but no in third place uh i've gone with ross whose pitch is the one that kid me would probably get the biggest sugar rush from i i think that yours is a real kind of balls to the wall summer blockbuster kind of film with lots of action popping all over the place like fun little side adventures going on I can imagine like you just wouldn't be bored for a second. And I do like the fact that you've done some little nods to actual sort of established Spider-Man lore. And you've also taken the time to go, okay, there is space still for pieces of Spider-Man cinematic history that we can, we can look back to whilst also moving Miles's story forwards. Um, I think that it is maybe, uh, the way that I've put it here is that um, there's not a lot of meat on the bones of the story, but the bone itself is very juicy. So <laughs> I, 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 I said juicy bone. Without, without wanting this to get 
uh, very blue all of a sudden. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very it's a very suckable bone. <laughs> hey, to me, it sounds like you've won, Ross. I'm just saying that. that. <laughs> just oh, yeah. amazing stuff. Um, <laughs> to I say, just, yeah, I, I would have, I would have liked to have um, had a bit, had a bit more meat to chew. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And okay, in, I'm going to go for a cold shower after this. Uh, this two points go to please. Uh, so my two points go to Drew. Ooh, I hate so I I felt like forgetting the whole no way home analogy thing, um, which until until the point Drew made it apparent that he didn't know that he had cribbed parts of his plot from No Way Home. <laughs> I assumed that it was a knowing sort of nod to No Way Home story that was somehow going to subvert it. And then I realized that it was just that it accidentally hit some of those beats. So mm. I, I fully I fully believe that it was a sincere original story. Um, <laughs> I think, if anything, you just inhabited the mind of a Spider-Man writer a little bit too well. Oh, thank because you. you ended That's up very generous of you. Published Spider-Man story. But I, what, I, what I would say, though, for yours, is that A, it's very, like, well thought through emotionally i feel like you can track where miles is at at each point of the story um and i i think as well that it's probably out of the three the most believable sequel pitch i think in a world where no way home didn't exist i could definitely see (laughs) an across the spider-verse type like a sequel film that did a similar thing to this um, so I don't think that you were a million miles off the mark uh, when you decided to go with it. But I do think it's just an unfortunate case of right idea, wrong timing. <laughs> and I think that if I went to the cinema, I'd come out of it and I'd go, oh, yeah, that was really, really good. Quite fancy watching No Way Home for some reason. <laughs> um, but you do get you do get extra brownie points for for bringing Alfred Molina back in in a very well like as if No Way Home wasn't meta enough like you've added another <laughs> level of meta so that that is across the three pitches that was like my favorite little detail that any of the three of you did so you get like a tiny little trophy for, <laughs> for thank you the, I'll take that the best individual moment of inspiration. Um, Mm-mm. Which means, obviously, then, yeah, that in wow. first place in my uh, guest judging slot for Into the Spider Verse mm-hmm. uh, is Andy. Hey, hey, Andy. Hey, Andy. Hey, the Spider Man hey. Three emo dance. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everybody. <laughs> um, and I'll I'll be honest with you. I think that the the thing that that swung it for me, which is an intentional Spider-Man related pun, <laughs> uh, I think the thing that swung it for me is that I could I could see Drew's version happening. Like Kid Me would be just a little bit like drunk on the sugar rush of of Ross's, <laughs> but then I think that your version is. The one that if I went to the cinema, I would go, oh, I had no idea they'd go in that direction, but I would believe in it. Like I would, 
I would go, that was a wild left turn that came out of nowhere, but I'm kind of on board. Um, and I think that that is, for me at least, that most captures the spirit of what the first Spider-Verse film tried to tell us about how these comic book films can be within the medium, is this idea that you can actually go to those out there places from the comic books in a way that ch will challenge audiences. I mean, the the whole storyline with with the other and the inheritors and Mullen and all of that stuff is like that's some deep cut stuff that's going to sell a lot of comic books after the film comes out. But like, I think people would be along for the ride with that. Um, I think that it would be a, a task. There'd be a lot of like tonal balancing to do. I'd almost be tempted to say that it reads that it read more like a two part pitch, like for a two parter of a film than for one film. I could imagine it being split somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it is the most in the spirit of the Spider-Verse sequel of the three, which is what made it just nudge the other two out of out of top spot. There you go. Amazing stuff. Thank you very much, Jordan. And amazing work, gentlemen. Really, really good pictures with a very, very bloody hard film. So there you have it. This week's winner is Andy Henry. Andy, what are we pitching next episode? Oh, it is one of my favourite franchises in cinematic history. I want you to pitch me sequels to Transformers 12 or 9. What are they on now? Which one's actually coming out soon? You love it that much. I fucking hate this <laughs> fucking franchise. God damn it. <laughs> um, is it is it six? Seven? I think they're I, I I honestly think they're up to eight, but I don't know. But I would put I would I'm quite confident saying it's Transformers eight. If not, just make Transformers eight. Just skip the last couple and go straight to eight. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually Transformers five. Is there five? Because Bumblebee doesn't count, really, I guess. Not in the uh bumblebee yeah. counts in our hearts yeah it's, like, it's canon yeah. well i still haven't Ooh. seen it oh god damn it i hate this franchise it's pretty good bumblebee i hate the franchise bumblebee great film you'll love it yeah all right maybe i'll give that a watch can we do sequels to bumblebee instead <laughs> no. that might be a bit more enjoyable <laughs> Um, uh, is this actually being aired? Okay, we're we're gonna air it. This is this is, oh, this is how precursor to the next episode. <laughs> no, Addy, what are we pitching next episode? Uh, we will be pitching Transformers, whatever one it is. We don't we don't know. We will just we don't know it which is, one it is. No, for fuck's sake! It's which one what? is it? I've got it down as eight, but I don't actually know if it's true or not. I, I quite like yeah, the, the idea last of going, night. pitching Transformers, whatever the fuck this one is. <laughs> Transformers The Last Night. Yeah, we're pitching yeah. sequels to Transformers The Last Night. Okay, okay. I didn't know that. I still thought it was 2017's like Transformers The Last Night. So I, I thought we'd had enough waffle that you might have pulled it up in the meantime. <laughs> no, I was getting Third a drink. Time. Third time <laughs> lucky. I've been trying to drink this whole time, but I've been waffling, so... So congratulations to Andy, this week's winner. Andy, what are we pitching next episode? Third time lucky. Um, we are, we'll be pitching Transformers... Um, the was last it The Last night. night? That's it, The Last Night. The Dark Knight Transformers. Oh. A Batman-Transformers <laughs> mashup. There you go. You heard it here first, <laughs> listeners. Um, 
We're, we're doing a Transformers pitch next time around, as if we oh didn't have enough difficulties this time. Um, thank you very much once again for listening. Jordan, signing you off. Once again, thank you so much for being with us. Where can our listeners find you? What have you got coming up? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter, probably for about two more weeks, uh, Jordan MV King. And uh, beyond Twitter, you will most regularly find me haunting the pages of Empire Magazine in print and online, and recently over at Yahoo, as well as other places here, there, and everywhere. So, yay! Yes. Amazing. You do some fantastic reviews, mate, and thank you for bringing so much knowledge to the episode, as always. But with that, it is time to say good night, goodbye. Um, from this week's runners up first, Ross Holmston. Suck my bone. <laughs> juicy, juicy bone. Do tone me. Goodbye, everyone. From this week's winner, Andy Henry. Oh, I want to see a Batman Transformers film now. God damn it. <laughs> From our wonderful special guest once again, John. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me, your host, Matt. See you soon, folks. Bye. 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 Bye.